With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, here we are back for another Steelers Now pregame scout. Do we have to get back out there so soon? Or maybe it's a good thing after what we saw of Sunday at Acrisure Stadium. It's the Steelers' second and final Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. Um, Al Michaels, I'm sure, will be barely above comatose for this broadcast of Steelers and Patriots. Steelers and Patriots, kids, it used to be a fun thing. We used to get really fired up for these games. Uh, it's still an important game for the Steelers, and uh, I know I called the the Cardinals a sad sack franchise. The Patriots, it's amazing how far they've fallen off, but uh, wow, it is important, but it is not one that's easy to really get revved up for in terms of the strength of the, the two teams. Um, I'm Matt Geica, Steelers now analyst Derek Bell, of course, is alongside again. Uh, this last week, Derek, wow, we were talking about maybe the Steelers getting into the high 20s points wise. It took them all the way deep into the fourth quarter to even get to double digits against the two win Cardinals team. Uh, they lose. It was a miserable day for those who attended, I'm sure, at Acrisure Stadium. It was miserable to watch on TV. Was that the worst game uh, of the Tomlin era? Is that hyperbole to say that it might have been? Man, I don't I don't know about the worst game of the Tomlin era just because I think back to some of the, I guess, Steelers teams that we thought were, I guess, more talented and better, mm-hmm. had higher expectations for that dropped uh, similar type games in these situations uh, over the years. But, man, it was it was really tough to watch. I mean, you talked about just like just from a fan experience or from anyone that's partic- participating in that game, uh, multiple weather delays, just kind of prolong. It just felt like it was prolonging the inevitable, uh, especially after the first weather delay. It was like, man, can we just 
go home. Can we? I, I was so ready to just like write my post game article and just get this over with, uh, just based on what we were seeing out there on the field. But yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, you know, you and I were anticipating uh, a completely different performance from the Steelers last week. I thought that they were going to be able to continue a little bit of their momentum offensively. Um, and unfortunately that just did not happen. And we got pretty much the exact opposite. Didn't happen. And we also had a fresh batch of injuries for the Steelers to deal with. Huge uh, among them, Kenny Pickett. So um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with, but you know what? They're they're still in playoff position. Seven and five is the record right now. Um, that's a playoff spot. Actually, they're tied with three other teams in the AFC. They have the tiebreak edge over the Colts, the Browns, and the Texans. So the season isn't over. Uh, still a handful of games to go. Five, in fact, even though that felt like a significant step back. Let's go to first down here, Derek. Which side of the ball was was worse? Because uh, for me, I know we were expecting more from the offense, but also to see. The Cardinals marched down the field 99 yards after the goal line stand. It was just, it was a lot to take. And it was quite unexpected on my part. So um, if you had to break it down from a scheme perspective, from uh, an execution perspective, which side of the ball disappointed you the most? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, I was anticipating more of, a, I guess, um, just kind of, momentum from the offense um, we just didn't get that but to your point the defense didn't really help us out um, in turn in that uh, regard either so I do think excuse me we're still getting over the cold here uh, well for him it's COVID for me it's a cold we're a little better this week though yeah um, no but I, I do think the the fourth and one stop you know everything just kind of came crashing down. They had just the massive turning point. Pickett gets injured, the fourth and one stop where they generated no push up front, and then the 99-yard touchdown drive. Um, I do want to give credit to the Cardinals just because I do think that, um, you know, they were very well prepared uh, for what they were going to see with the Steelers. Um, I think you can always tell a little bit about, um, you know, how well coached a team is or their general game plan feel uh, coming into the game uh, just based on what you see early. And they attacked the Steelers – spine of the defense like over the middle of the field uh they really went after the Steelers linebackers in coverage particularly Mikel Walker um and then they got the ball to their best playmaker and Trey McBride he was somebody that we talked about a little bit last week and um you know they made him pay I thought Kyler made just enough plays and over the course of the game I just thought they really wore the Steelers out defensively okay yeah the linebacking I suppose attrition rate continues on here uh we saw for instance oh you chronicled this quite well in fact on SteelersNow.com in your SN plus film breakdown this week that uh, linebacker Michael Walker ended up being a pivotal player for the Steelers and that probably isn't the thing that we thought we would hear this year and uh, he wasn't pivotal in a good way so are we just talking about the need for on the defensive side especially in the middle of the field for guys to just play over their heads or else we're going to see more of the same this week yeah, it's really tough because um, you can definitely acknowledge that, you know, they came up short and, you know, some of the things that Arizona was doing to exploit them was very noticeable, not just live, but especially when you go back and watch the tape. Um, but, you know, there's also some context necessary, right? Like if you're down to your fourth, fifth, sixth inside linebackers, um, it's very hard for any team, regardless of your depth, to withstand that type of thing. I mean, um, and I think that Walker, who had played pretty well over the first couple times that we got exposure to him, 
um, you know, the Cardinals went after him. And I think that that is credit to good coaching because you see, you know, you start looking at the potential weak leaks of the defense. All right, we got some backups in. Let's test them early. And that's really what Arizona did. They tested him early, and then they realized that they, you know, had the matchup they liked just based on the way that the Steelers were playing schematically. Um, and then basically every time that, uh, you know, they were able to get him at a high-low or every time they were able to get him in man coverage on McBride, they took advantage over the middle of the field. And, um, you know, having a tight end like that who is athletic, he's strong, uh, good at the catch point, good after the catch, uh, it's it's a very difficult thing. There's not a lot of linebackers, I feel like, that are going to have the advantage against McBride in coverage, especially as time moves on and he continues to get better. Um, but there was some frustrating stuff with the Steelers, too, because uh, just over the course of the game, it just didn't feel like they adjusted and they kept giving the Cardinals that matchup. And it was like, man, like at some point, you've got to put somebody else on him. Like you got to put Fitzpatrick on him. You've got to do some different things uh, to try to give him some help to try to alleviate that stress. And um, unfortunately, that just never came. And then once it got into like the late third quarter, fourth quarter, it was just all run game. And they just started really imposing their will on the Steelers front uh, after Landon Roberts went down. And on the offensive side, uh, was there an aspect of the game, an aspect that uh, you felt really short circuited what they were trying to do um, when it came to piling up yards and, and scoring points. You did have George Pickens as one of your dudes in your post game review and uh, also the run game in the first half, even though it didn't produce very many points. And, of course, they were stopped on fourth down and goal in that second quarter. Might have turned the game in that uh, in that spot. But you also had, for instance, rookie tackle Broderick Jones as one of your duds from that one. And um, including an early uh, down in which Pickett was rushed. And that was basically Jones getting beat. So uh, what, what can you pinpoint there that fell off from the week before at Cincinnati? Yeah, I just felt like the beginning of the game, like you go back and watch those first, I would say probably seven or eight rushes uh, from Harris and Warren. You saw just a crazy amount of uh, push up front from the Steelers offensive line. They were creating holes. Uh, they were doing a good job getting out on the move, different run concepts. Uh, they had, you know, I think I want to say that Harris's first like three carries of the game went for like over 20 yards. I mean, they were it felt like that was going to be a game where, you know, we talked about the Cardinals run defense and defense in general had struggled over the course of the season. Uh, but just as the game wore on, you know, um, just game script and some different things. I thought Arizona kind of tightened up a little bit at the line of scrimmage. Uh, their secondary did a good job tackling when they needed to as well. Um, and then just the passing game continues to be completely disjointed. Um, you know, they were uh, Pickett was able to get that schemed up deep shot to George Pickens off the flood concept early in the game. But uh, this passing game just still feels so limited to me. Um, it just always consistently feels out of sync. And I think that that is notable and like just how the quarterback feels and looks. And that wasn't necessarily just strictly Pickett, but also Trubisky, who we're going to see tomorrow night, you know, against the Patriots. Okay, let's move on to Kenny Pickett. I don't think it's the last we're going to see of Kenny Pickett this season. He's going to miss two to four weeks, seems to be the consensus there, at least a couple of games, including this one Thursday night against the Pats. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky. We'll talk about him and uh, his benefits and drawbacks in just a little bit. But it feels like a pretty good time, Derek, to zoom out and, and take a look at the Kenny Pickett experience here in season two. Uh, again, injuries have uh, come to the surface a couple of times. Not saying it's all his fault, but that's now four times he's had to leave a game early due to injury and not even two full seasons as a National Football League starting quarterback. So certainly that's a ding to his record, rightly or wrongly. It just is. Availability is the best ability, as they say, and I, I believe that to be true. But just in terms of performance here, 
Uh, can you give him any higher than, say, a D for what he did this season? And uh, how much has he been downgraded in your eyes when you look at his future potential compared to where we were at coming off of a pretty spectacular preseason? Yeah, I think with, uh, you know, with the availability thing, you know, I, do, I don't think and I think people are misconstruing this a little bit, maybe um, on social media. I, it's definitely not a toughness thing with Pickett, right? Like there are uh, people, players can get injured for a myriad of different reasons. Um, you know, some fluky, some not. Um, but I just think with with him, you know, once you get into these consistent scenarios where, you know, the quarterback isn't able to finish the game, I think it's definitely troublesome, not just for him, like taking care of his body, but also, um, you know, they've gotten him hit a couple of times that, you know, probably could have been avoided. He probably could have avoided some of these hits. And then, like I said, some of this just luck uh, more than anything else. But um, really, the like the word that I keep coming back to with his sophomore season is just kind of waste. Like I just feel like it was wasted. Um, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Pickett at his very best was probably going to be a win with type of starter. Um, if you got the absolute best out of him, put him in the right ecosystem. Um, but I don't think that the Steelers necessarily did that because of the decision to bring back Matt Canada. Um, and having said that, uh, I don't think he's played particularly well either. Like you see some regression uh, with him just in terms of even some of the things that he didn't struggle with as a rookie, uh, particularly like accuracy, things of that nature. Um, and I still think that, you know, he has a long way to go before we kind of can for sure say that he's like a long-term starter in the league. Everything makes it, this injury in particular makes it really difficult, right? Because the Steelers are competitive. They have a roster that is competitive. Um, it might not be necessarily good or as good as people were hoping, um, but they're in a weird situation now because his first two seasons haven't gone according to plan and the defense is getting a little bit older and they are pretty much ready to win right now. And with Pickett losing these next two to four weeks, we may only get to see him for another game or two. And then the Steelers are going to have to make a decision in the offseason on how they're going to construct the quarterback room. And I think that that's particularly disappointing because you want as big of a sample size as you can get to evaluate him at this offense, what he can be. Uh, and unfortunately, we're going to get robbed of that a little bit over the next couple of weeks. That's always the struggle in the NFL. Small sample size. They only play 17 games. Used to be 16, of course, but that's not a lot in the context of major professional sports. Uh, in the NHL and NBA, you get 82. In the MLB, you get 162. Uh, starting pitchers left out of that conversation. But you know what I mean? There, there are very yeah. limited looks here. And the way that the the cap is structured and the CBA is structured, you, you have to make these calls or else you lose the player and you have to move on. Um, is there a part of his game that uh, you thought was especially a weak spot this year? One that you thought would be better in his second year? Again, I don't want to say like the second year is over, but it almost feels like it is for all intents and purposes. What didn't progress, in other words, that you thought would? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the the big thing for me is um, was just the accuracy portion of it. I, I just felt like there were um, a couple too many instances where I just felt like, um, you know, just – accuracy woes were popping up so specifically um in the underneath parts of the field the intermediate parts of the field um and then just you know overall just his lack of confidence I feel like in himself uh that was something that I feel like as the his rookie season kind of uh went on and progressed I felt like that I never really had to worry about you know if he was confident just in his own abilities and I just feel like this season he just didn't look like himself in terms of uh, believing that he was, you know, the right guy almost. It almost looked like on tape he was kind of gun shy uh, and just really, you know, I don't it, like 
lacking energy uh, a little mm-hmm. bit. So I think that those those things, um, you know, because I wasn't really worried about his confidence. I wasn't really worried about his accuracy. There were obviously a lot of stuff that you wanted to see him improve on coming off his rookie season. But that's really I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. Like you expect that stuff. Uh, but just the fact that, you know, not only did he not really improve on some of the other things we were looking for, uh, he kind of regressed in those other areas that weren't necessarily problems. And I think that that's um, it's worrisome. And, you know, that's why the Steelers had to let go of Matt Canada when the quarterback doesn't develop. Uh, offensive coaches typically lose their jobs. And uh, like I said, the decision that the Steelers are going to have to make um, in the offseason about, you know, how they're going to construct this offense next year, you know, who the guy is or what kind of environment that they're going to need to put him in in order to get the best out of him. Uh, those are questions that are going to have to be like at the very top of the priority list. And they'll have to make those calls with uh, not that much data to look at too. That's, that's the real shame of this injury in addition to yep. from a competitive standpoint. So we'll uh, dovetail right into third down as we look ahead to Steelers and Pats Thursday night, Acrisure stadium. <laughs> like I said, used to be a real primetime matchup. Now this one is primetime. Technically, because it's at night, but that's about all they have going for them. Hey, the end zones are going to be painted gold. So for those of us who remember Three River Stadium, uh, boy, that does get the uh, get the goosebumps rising on the uh, on the arm a little bit. So I do enjoy that. It'll be, uh, I think, a color rush game, too. So if you're into that sort of thing, that'll help dress it up a little bit. But otherwise, quarterback matchup. Yeah, we've got Mitch Trubisky on one side and we've got Bailey Zappi apparently on the other. The Pats haven't officially confirmed it. But it just looks like Mac Jones isn't working out in New England. Uh, there is a third quarterback, more mobile guy, but I don't know if they're going to go to him at this moment. It just it seems like it's going to be Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. And uh, if you've watched the Patriots, you know they have not put up much of anything on offense this year. And Mitch Trubisky, limited action this season, came in late against the Jags when Kenny Pickett was hurt. Actually got most of the second half, I believe in that one and uh, through a late interception. That's the one play that stands out, but he'll push the ball down the field, won't he? Or at least he'll try to uh, compared to what we saw more from Pickett this year. So is that the big difference for you between the two of them? Trubisky is just more of a high risk, high reward type guy. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, man, is just uh, standing that Trubisky is who he is. You know, I even remember, um, kind of just going back and watching some film on Mitch when they signed him last year to kind of be the bridge guy. Um, just going back and watching, you know, it's very it's very obvious that Mitch is uh, confident in his own abilities, like his athleticism, his arm, uh, things like that. Um, but it's borderline irrational confidence. Uh, there's some questionable decision making. Uh, he is very much one of those guys that uh, thinks that he can make every throw regardless of platform, regardless of coverage, anything like that. Um, so I do think that you're going to see more of a um, roller coaster, more of a range of outcomes just in terms of not just game to game with him over the next, you know, potentially month, but also like just snap to snap, series to series, uh, because Mitch will make some throws that make him look like a pretty competent starter in this league. And then, you know, he'll go quarters where you're like, what in the world are you looking at? Like, I don't understand what you're doing. Um, so I do think that, you know, just the difference between him and Pickett is probably, you know, you're going to get a, a quarterback with a little bit stronger of an arm, a little bit more functional. I feel like as a runner, uh, Mitch is a guy who likes to use his legs. He likes to play make. He likes to move around, scramble. Not that Pickett doesn't kind of play in a similar vein, but uh, Mitch kind of almost leans into it a little bit more. 
Um, but also I feel like, you know, he is a worse decision maker, you know, just in terms of not taking care of the football, putting the ball in harm's way. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, going up against Bill Belichick, you know, one of, if not the greatest, you know, defensive uh, mind in the history of football, uh, kind of what the Patriots game plan looks like, especially because uh, they were, they were able to see Mitch just last year. I mean, it's only been, you know, 14 months or so since they last saw him uh, in this offense. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Pats defense, they've been doing all they can do. Honestly, they have given up 10 points or fewer in three consecutive games, and they have lost all three. The first team since the 1938 Chicago Cardinals. That tells you just the name of the franchise, the last team to do that. And not something you want to be uh, lumped in with when you're talking about getting wins and losses. Uh, but I think it's easy to look at the Pats and say, okay, two and 10, same record as the Cardinals, by the way, last week when they came in and say just a bad team all around. But really, it's more just a bad offense, isn't it, for the Pats? Yeah, the offense has been uh, a catastrophe would be the best word to describe the Patriots offense really over the past two seasons. And, you know, I, I felt like, um, you know, speaking of quarterbacks that just haven't really necessarily developed the way that they uh anticipated you know the pats uh they get that really strong season out of mac jones uh he looked like a very competent starter and then you know they put him with matt patricia in his sophomore season he loses confidence and you know his development's really spiraled downhill uh even in bringing in a guy like bill o'brien who's had success at different levels over the course of his career he just hasn't been able to get mac back on track and i think that really um mac's downward spiral has led them to Bailey Zappi. Uh, kind of one of the differences between uh, Zappi and Jones. I feel like Jones has completely lost confidence in his himself. Like you can see it just the way that he plays. Um, he just does not have any confidence in like what he's seeing uh, through his progressions. He doesn't have confidence in his arm anymore. The Patriots are limited in terms of on offense with their skill position players. Um, but I think one thing that I've noticed about Zappi is He's been a little bit better in terms of navigating some of the um, pressure up front. And he leans into like doing a little bit more running around, scrambling, making plays, extending with his legs, because that's not really Jones's strong point. Um, he'll push the ball down the field as well. Like you watched him against the Chargers last week, particularly in the second half. The dude throws – he will throw the go ball. Like not that the Patriots really necessarily have like an elite deep threat, but – he was looking for Parker down the sideline, things like that. So um, Zappi's going to push the ball. I anticipate we're going to see a similar game plan to what we saw last year when these two teams matched up. I think the Pats are going to lean into a lot of like deep crossers to try to beat bank coverage that they're going to anticipate from the Steelers defense. Um, but it'll be you know interesting to see if Zappi's able to hit those throws. What do you make of the short preparation window for this? Like you said, Bill Belichick for all that's gone wrong, it's still Bill Belichick. And um, I guess if there's uh, less time to prep, I don't know if I feel better or worse about facing Bill because, um, you know, he's good at it. You know, he's good at getting his players to nail down certain details and make you play with one hand tied behind your back. That's always been his signature thing. Uh, his teams have been kind of like a chameleon, whatever he needs them to be. They're able to adjust and mold. Um, do, you, do you see that as being a detriment to uh, to that type of preparation, just playing on Thursday night as opposed to Sunday? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, um, you know, you look back just in terms of uh, his career. And like you said, the thing that he's really been notable for is like being able to kind of morph his defense into whatever he needs, not just that season, but based on his personnel, based on the matchup. Um, and you still see some of that. You know, he's 
they've done a good job in terms of making the best on what they've got on defense. I mean, you got to think like this is a top 10 defense this year um, pretty easily, especially when you factor in the lack of offensive production that they've got. But it's a top 10 defense that lost its best cornerback early in the season. Uh, they also lost their best pass rusher in Matthew Judon. So they're missing arguably like two of their better players. And they've got some other really good pieces over there. Uh, Kyle Duggar, I think, is one of the best, like most underrated players in the league. They've got some guys that are now getting healthy. You know, Christian Barmer's playing a really good ball. Their inside linebackers are really physical. They defend the run at a really high level. They're um, like they they've only allowed, I think, uh, opposing offenses, 100 rushing yards once since week five. I mean, that's how that I mean, they held Austin Eckler and I know Eckler hasn't looked like himself this year, but they held Austin Eckler like 20 something yards last week. His longest carry was four. So uh, they are going to put up a fight in terms of. Um, you know, what they're able to bring on defense. And these two teams are familiar with each other. Like you mentioned, the the Brady Roethlisberger era, like these guys, Tomlin, you know, Belichick, Steelers, Pats, like they were playing each other every single year. So, you know, kind of the attitude, the mentality, the game plan from and tendencies from both of these teams, even as the names on the back of the jerseys kind of have changed. What about individual matchups? Have you been able to dig into anything? And, and what are you seeing there that, might give the Steelers an edge here. They're playing at home, obviously, but that uh, was not that big of a help last week. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, short week always makes it tough on me just in terms of, you know, trying to get through, um, you know, the film, things like that. Um, one of the things, too, that I've kind of noticed um, just on the outside, like if you're going to move the ball against the patch, you're going to have to throw the football uh, just because of how stout they are um, up front on the defensive line. They got a lot of big bodies, guys that are capable of uh, just holding uh, their ground at the line of scrimmage, physical linebackers that like to play downhill. Uh, their safeties are excellent uh, near the line as well. So you're going to have to move, move the ball down the field, take some chances outside. Um, if there is a place where you can do that, it's against these cornerbacks. Uh, Jonathan Jones uh, uh, is a solid player, uh, but one of the things that he's kind of always struggled with is, you know, bigger bodied receivers can give him some trouble. He's not the biggest guy. Um, and then even J.C. Jackson, you know, he's had some injuries over the past couple of years. You know, he went to the Chargers, came back. Uh, but he's given up a lot of big plays over the past couple of seasons as well. So uh, in order for the Steelers to win this game, they're going to probably need to hit you know, two, three explosive plays at the very least uh, down the sideline, maybe on some go balls, maybe you get some schemed up uh, stuff to take advantage of George Pickens' size and athleticism. Um, and we'll see kind of how that goes. And like I mentioned with Christian Gonzalez, um, you know, their best corner that got hurt early in the season, a rookie, uh, the reason that I feel like they went and got him was because he's a bigger corner. So like they needed, the, they've got nice pieces in the back end, but they were missing that bigger corner to match up against some of these like bigger, more physical, uh, physically gifted receivers like Pickens. Um, so I think that that's a matchup that, um, you know, they could potentially exploit. Still the trends and the circumstances point to another low scoring game for the Steelers offense. They've been at 17 points or lower the last three. I told you about how the Pats defense has limited opponents so far any reason to go against that uh are, are you feeling like the Steelers can exploit this or is it just too much of an unknown with Trubisky in there um it, not that Kenny Pickett was being consistent by any means but it, it still feels like a wild card scenario doesn't it yeah I mean one thing too is like I said we have a granted some of the players have changed but like we have a baseline we can look at from last season on how this matchup kind of unfolded and Trubisky didn't play particularly well they left some opportunities on the field uh, it was one of those games where it really felt like, um, you know, mistakes were really key. You think about Gunner, he fumbled that punt. 
that led to a cheap scoring drive for the Patriots offense. Um, you know, one of the ways that the Patriots kind of got after the Steelers last season uh, was they played some drop eight coverages. They made uh, Pickett or excuse me, Pickett. They made Trubisky play from the pocket and play like an actual quarterback instead of, you know, kind of his chaotic uh, tendencies in the in, in the backfield. So um, they had some success with that. But I'll just continue to go back like this is going to be a game that's going to come down to turnovers because I don't believe that either of these offenses uh, just as currently constructed can move the ball at will on the other's defense. So this is going to come back to which backup quarterback makes the least mistakes and generally like the most cliche uh, kind of term or tendency uh, for like this type of game is like the backup quarterback is probably going to have to take care of the football. Last year, Mitch Trubisky in this matchup, it was in uh, mid-September, second game of the year. Pa Patriots win it at Akrasher 17-14. Trubisky threw for only 168 on 21 completions. So it was a lot of dink and dunk stuff. It was uh, a lot of stuff not very far down the field. One touchdown, one interception. If there is one good thing to say about what Kenny Pickett did this year, too, it's that he didn't turn the ball over. The Steelers yep. just don't turn the ball over in general. So that's the one area where I'm feeling a little queasy is that Trubisky's the type of guy that, yeah, he might throw another uh, big completion down the field, a few of them, in fact, but he also might throw it up for grabs. And we have seen that, too, in his career. But he has more of a track record at the at the NFL level than than Pickett does. So I guess if you go long, long term, like the last several years, um, I'm not sure it's really a, a downgrade at all. It's just a different type of, yeah. of quarterback there. Uh, so there you go. The over-under is 33-0. That is it. Uh, and I have a hard time picking the over here. So what are your feelings on results? Not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to for Thursday night football. Yeah, I'm, for first and foremost, I want the under. <laughs> like that's, that, that is very obvious to me. Uh, I want to say that I, I've seen some tweets going around that like this is like the lowest over under in X amount of years. I mean, it's been a while since you've seen an NFL game with this type of under. Um, but I'm going to give the Steelers the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to make any wild outlandish predictions about what's going to happen because uh, I did that last week and showed confidence in the offense and it came back to bite me in the behind. So um, I'm going to say that the Steelers win a extremely extremely ugly game like something like 16 13 or something like that um and that's really based on the fact that i think that they will be able to turn uh zappy over at least like once or twice uh i think tj watt uh those guys the pass rush is going to have to have a good game uh and make him really uncomfortable one thing that is nice uh from the steelers defensive perspective playing a lot of man coverage the pats are limited in terms of playmakers, even some of their um, playmakers that they've looked to get more playing time, like pop Douglas. Uh, it looks like he's probably going to mi miss this game. And then Ramondre Stevenson, their top running back is also probably going to miss this game as well. So the Patriots are not just, they're lacking a little bit of talent, but they're also not very healthy. So I think that the Steelers will be able to do what they need to do in the back end uh, and create enough chaos um, and I think that you'll probably get one drive where Mitch looks like he's really good, probably when they go up tempo in like a two minute situation. Uh, and that'll be just enough to win a really ugly game. And then we'll probably be on here next week talking about how this doesn't really feel like a good win, but they won nonetheless and kept their playoff uh, hopes alive. Yeah. Well, really, even if they lose, they're still likely to be in a playoff spot, but uh, you don't want to start taking that to chance. Yeah. It starts uh, getting a little dicey. Yeah, looking at the three teams they're tied with, um, 
let me just lay this out for you. Five, six, and seven, and eight in the AFC all have seven and five records. That's the Steelers, the Colts, the Browns, and the Texans. The Steelers out of that group have the, quote, easiest matchup this week, uh, if we still want to play that game. The Texans have the second easiest. They're playing the Jets. Browns are against the Jags, and the Colts are against the Bengals. So those two A lot of backup quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, I talked war of attrition earlier. It's really happening across the league. Hey, it's uh, it's a brutal game and it's a four month season. So that's what's going to pop up here. So five games to go. And right. Anything could happen still at this point. All right, Derek, thank you again. And uh, thank to uh, thank you. Pardon me to everyone else for watching and, and joining us. It's been fun. A short week here and then uh, back with the Colts the following week. So, uh, yeah, the, the stakes are going to continue to rise. Thanks for watching. The Steelers now pregame scout. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.